Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 207th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champion. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb Brooks straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys today as uh, we begin to turn the page from the disappointing home loss to Pittsburgh earlier this week and get ready for the greatest rivalry in sports as Carolina does make the eight-mile trip down the road to take on the Duke Blue, the, the, the Duke Blue Devils on a Saturday night. And I figured it'd be a great time to bring on a very good friend of the show, Michael Norwood, a former Carolina basketball player. But as he always says, he is a lifelong Tar Heel. To talk about the season so far, to talk about Armando Baycott, and give some of his thoughts on the Duke-Carolina rivalry as we start a new chapter on Saturday night. So uh, without any further waiting, guys, let's dive into my conversation with former Tar Heel basketball player Michael Norwood. I am now joined by former Tar Heel, but uh, a former Tar Heel player, but lifelong Tar Heel Michael Norwood. Michael, good morning, man. How are you today? Hey, Josh, thanks for having me on. I was going to correct you when you said former Tar Heel. I mean, Tar Heel for life. <laughs> yeah, I always get I, I always get caught up when I say that because you did correct me, I think, the the first or second time <laughs> I, I brought you on. Um, all right, man, let's uh, let's go ahead and just let's just dive right into this thing. We're, we're coming on roughly, I don't know, 16 hours after uh, Carolina lost at home last night to Pittsburgh, 65 to 64 in the Smith Center, and, and, you know, I think it was just a a frustrating game all around where Carolina fell out of rhythm on offense and they couldn't get – they couldn't make the winning plays in the last two to three minutes of the game. So, uh, in your opinion, what went wrong last night for Carolina? Uh, You know, when you lose a game, you can point to a whole bunch of things. I I think – the most obvious one is just the shooting. I mean, we missed some wide open threes and we missed free throws. And 
those weren't contested. And most of the time, you're going to make those shots. And if you make two of the three-pointers and three of the free throws, you, you kind of win comfortably. Uh, I, I know I should stay away from it, but I'll kind of read the message boards a little bit here and there just to get people's opinions. I don't post anymore. I used to. And people were talking about how Pittsburgh kind of bullied us and, and punked us and beat us up, and we weren't tough enough. And I would push back a little bit on that because – like even like the last play when when RJ fouled the guy, RJ's tough as nails, but he's also five foot ten. Mm-hmm. And when you're guarding somebody six foot four, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I used to def- I defend sometimes when people talk about toughness or this or that. If somebody's taller, bigger, stronger, you can be the toughest guy in the world and get embarrassed. And you're playing as hard as you can, and you're doing everything you can. And I, I speak from experience being a 6'2", you know, short-legged, short-armed, unathletic basketball player. I don't think anybody was tougher than me. But if I'm guarding somebody that's a couple inches taller, a little longer, a little faster, a little stronger, they're going to make me look bad. So I don't think I don't think we looked soft last night. It's just – give Coach Capel some credit, he found the mismatches. And when when Dunn came in the game, they went at him. And when RJ was in the game, they went at him. They exploited kind of our smaller guards and posted them up and drove and pumped fake and drew fouls. So Pittsburgh did a lot to win the game. But again, I just go back to my original comment you make two threes and three free throws, and, and all's good. I mean, Coach Williams used to always say, when the ball goes in the net, everything else looks a little bit better. Yeah. Um, all right, so you said that you read the message boards and stuff after last <laughs> night's game, and uh, we know that there's a complicated relationship with Jason Capel with the Carolina program. He's the younger brother sure. of Jeff Capel, who – um, played at Duke, so we obviously you know don't like him for for obvious reasons. But Jason right. Capel was a former player here, um, and really the last two years, it's it's gotten really salty to where it's it's been him verbally attacking the program, verbally attacking the fan base. Jeff Capel explained that you know the reason that he was really extra salty tonight was all over a tweet, you know, where, where the basketball program was just promoting tonight's game. What did you think? Yeah, picture Creighton had his jersey, like he was supposed to have his jersey retired or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, so what? What do you? What do you make of this? Because we haven't really seen someone really since Rashad McCants go on record and and in the process, basically exiling himself away from the Carolina family. Well, and I read all those things when reading a little bit this morning, and I think it's a couple things. First of all, he was there. And was kind of the face of eight and twenty, him and Lang, and it was the worst Carolina basketball has been in sixty years or seventy years. And Matt was there, and so I think that probably starts it that he's been the face of that that downturn in basketball. So not really embraced. And I've been coming to things forever. I mean, he's never set foot in anything. Mm. Reunion, ten year, you know, the hundred year reunion ten years ago. So he's never come around, and maybe it's salty about um, how he was treated or, or viewed. I mean, Rick Fox didn't come around forever because he was 
mad about something in the Final Four 20 years earlier. So that happens. I think that probably started it with Capel. And then now you start to coach with your brother. And as much as we can all joke around and say Carolina fam and this and that, blood is blood. And so once he got on the bench with his brother, Carolina's the enemy. Mm. Now, he's probably run his mouth a little too much, and which has exacerbated it and made Carolina people come at him more. But, hey, if, if, if Kevin Keats wants to hire me to be on the state bench, I'm going to 100% try to beat UNC's butt when I play because – that's the team I'm coaching for. I'm, you know, again with Capel, he's coaching with his brother. So I don't fault him being all in for pit basketball. The other stuff, I think you got to be above it a little bit if you're Capel and just go, who cares? Y'all can rip me in Twitter and message boards. And I know I played hard. I know I gave it my best. I don't care. So that's the way I look at it. One more thing I want to talk to you about before we transition to talking about the Duke game on Saturday was a few weeks ago, you know, uh, Armando Baycott set the record for most double-doubles in UNC history and became uh, the the leader in all-time rebounds at UNC as well. I've kind of gone on record calling him the most decorated rebounder because I do think that if Billy Cunningham would have played four years, he would have set the numbers to 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 a point to where no one would have ever touched them. Um, so, for in your opinion, you're, you're a guy that played at Carolina. You've been around some of the, the greatest to ever come through uh, Chapel Hill. What will Armando Baycott's legacy be when his time at UNC does come to an end? Well, I think the, the greatest compliment you, you can ever give an athlete is he, he maximized his abilities. And I think you can say that about Baycott. Baycott – He's not very quick, lateral quickness. He's not explosive at all. He doesn't play above the rim. And he has gotten his rebounds by hard work and boxing out and coming to work every single day. So that's the best thing you can say is he has maximized his abilities to the fullest, and that has made him incredibly successful. And you're right. He's had the the best rebounding career uh, at UNC, and he does it every night, and, and and he should be lauded for that and praised. And I'm he's a great guy. I run into him all the time, talk to him, I root for him. Um, hopefully, he stays next year. But but he's he's he'll go down as the the best rebounder uh, for a career. All right, Michael. Let's now transition to the task at hand, which is the greatest rivalry in sports writing a new chapter in its book on Saturday night in Cameron Indoor Stadium. You were a player at UNC in the mid-80s when the rivalry really took notice on the national stage. It was always a big deal locally, even though before really Coach K became what he became, it was the big rivalry in the state was Carolina State, not Carolina and Duke, but with, you know, TV and stuff like that really coming to prominence in the mid-80s, it really put this rivalry on a national uh, on a national stage. As a player that was playing in these games and being a part of these games, what was it like seeing the rivalry grow to the national promise we know it to be today? Well, 
I mean, it was fun and it was transition. People don't realize, I want to say my sophomore year, Duke was not even our last game of the regular season. It was Georgia Tech with Sally and Mark Price and Dalrymple and Dwayne Farrell and all that. So by the time my junior year, it had transitioned and you had the senior class at Duke with Allery Billis, Henderson, uh, Johnny Dawkins, that whole crowd were seniors my junior year. And that's really when it, it took off. And the first, my junior year, so my first Duke Carolina game was was home, and it was the first game of the Smith Center. And what people don't realize is, well, we were supposed to play UCLA first game of the year at the Smith Center, and it wasn't finished yet, so they pushed it back. We only had one practice at the Smith Center. We'd only been in there the day before. When the game tipped off, we'd only been in there one time. Mm. And so it was new to us as well. Um at, I'll just switch into the at Duke part. So we played them the last game of the year, my junior year, and it was the first time I'd ever played at Duke. I'd been to games there when I was younger. My dad took me, but, but it was the first time we got there, and it was crazy. So, like, the guys before the game kind of didn't want to go out and, and, and warm up and shoot jumpers by themselves because you knew you'd get harassed by the students, and they were a lot funnier and clever back then. So it'd be like, hey, let's three of us go out and shoot some or something. But it was funny, and we had a good time playing there. And it's 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 just like no other. You, I tell people, so it was all shocking to me, but you, you, you get in your first practices in college, and you're like, wow, this is so much harder than high school basketball. And then you get in your first game, in college and you go, holy cow, the game is so much faster than practice. And then these games get harder and harder. And then the pinnacle is a Duke Carolina game. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it feels like everything is going a thousand miles an hour swirling around you. It feels like everybody's on the court. You can't hear, you couldn't hear coach Smith at all at either place. You can't hear anybody. And it just keeps going ramped up more and more. Uh, uh, our guys have handled that situation well last year. And I, I actually think we've tended to do better in these scenarios with the last two years than, say, last night, where sometimes we haven't handled prosperity very well. So going to Duke, I look for us to be sharper and more focused and more aggressive. And I look to be a really good game. On the surface, both Coach Smith and Coach uh, Coach K, you know, it they expressed great respect for one another. Even after Coach K went into a one press conference and said there was a double standard that existed in the ACC, I want to go behind the scenes though. And was was that was was that respect, you know, shared by Coach Smith to Coach K, whether when when, when the, you weren't in the public's eye? Or whenever he was not, you know, in front of a camera or something like that, did you see a little bit more, I guess, vitriol from Coach Smith when talking about Coach K or getting ready to go down the road and play Duke? Never. Really? Never, never, never. Coach Smith, if we were playing Duke or Clemson or App State, Coach Smith was the same. And he prepared you to be the same. We prepared ourselves. We never prepared. We never once in my two years – 
watched film of another team before before we played them. We didn't watch their plays. We didn't watch their personnel. Nothing. It, Coach Smith believed if we took care of ourselves, the game will be fine. Now, they did their own scouting reports, and they knew plays, and they would put stars over the shooters. Mm-hmm. But we didn't watch anybody else because Coach believed – if we were prepared correctly, it didn't matter what another team did. He never once mentioned anything about Coach K or we had Valvano was at NC State or anything or Bobby Cremens was at at um, at Georgia Tech. Le- uh, Lefty Drizelle was just his final years at Maryland. It, it was never that. It was a hundred percent focusing on us. Now. The one thing that I think is interesting talking about respect between the programs was amongst the players. So during the summer, Carmichael was famous for pickup games. I, I remember, I mean, I'm sitting there playing pickup games against Jordan and Worthy and Perkins and Phil Ford was still playing back then and Dudley Bradley and sometimes Walter Davis and the Duke and State guys would come play pickup because they knew where the best games were. So Tommy Amaker, who was pretty good friends with Kenny Smith, would come over and Dawkins and all those guys. And so we're all playing pickup and just it's like a regular playing in your backyard pickup amongst a bunch of basketball players. So there was no animosity between players at the time. What was interesting is the that what changed it was when Leitner got there, mm. he kind of threw the gauntlet down to his own team going, why are y'all going to Chapel Hill? Don't go over there. Don't go play pickup. They were famous for coming to going down Franklin Street because it was more fun to go out in Chapel Hill than Durham. But Leitner was like, we're done with those guys. You know, F them. Don't play pickup. Don't <laughs> go there at night. We're Duke. We're better than them. So that's – and he, he came after I did – but that was kind of when things switched. We're talking with Michael Norwood, former Carolina basketball player, but as he likes to remind me, he is a lifelong Tar Heel. You, you mentioned you, you shared a couple stories about playing at Cameron Indoor Stadium, how y'all were afraid to go out and, and shoot warm-up shots. Was it as difficult to play in Cameron back then as, you know, in my lifetime, it's been deemed the toughest basketball venue to go play at. I, mean, I would argue that that's probably now Allen Fieldhouse. But but was Cameron still legendary for its atmosphere back in the 80s as it was in the mid-2000s and, and what it is today? Oh, it was probably better back then. Uh, they were a little saltier and and everything was just on top of you. And and the funny thing is, you know, the good players, the Kennys and the Wolfies and Pops, they could care less about warming up. It was us guys on the bench going, all right, I don't want to go out there and start getting heckled. <laughs> heckled. And they were funny back then. I mean, they really were funny. When we played them, uh, my junior year, Steve Hale couldn't play because he had had a collapsed lung. And so when he's walking in – one side of the place is going inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. They were a lot funnier back then. Then they started chanting high school haircut because he had his hair parted down the middle. They were a lot funnier back then, but it was just fun. I mean, it's a, anytime in basketball, if you play a small arena with tight backgrounds, it's a better shooting place. So it's actually a fun place to play in terms of basketball, the worst place in the world to play are, are domes. You can't, mm. you have no backdrop and the goal, the, the back behind the goal is you know, uh, 20 yards, 50 yards behind you. So it's a great place to play. And I, I think 
I think our guys will play well and they'll shoot well. So it, it'll be a fun game. A few, uh, a few more for you, Michael, and I'll let you get out of here. Uh, Saturday, I mentioned it's a new chapter, and the biggest reason why is there isn't going to be a legendary figure on the sideline for either program. This is the first Duke-Carolina matchup that doesn't have – Dean Smith or Coach Smith, uh, Coach Guthridge, Coach Roy Williams, or Coach K for Duke. You've got now for Carolina, Coach Hubert Davis, and for Duke, uh, Coach John Shire. I think the best part about it is they're both former players at the programs they're now leading. So I do think you know th- there will be that mutual respect and animosity. How do you think the rivalry is going to change as, as it now ushers in a new era without legendary figures on the sidelines? Well, both of those guys are real nice guys. They're competitive, and they're both trying to feel their way. It's going to take years for them to become a a fully formed coach and establish their identity. Somewhere along the way, there'll be something to ramp it back up. There'll be a, 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 a flagrant foul. There'll be a cheap shot. There'll be complaints. It's going to take something like that to trigger it back. I think right now, both of them are, are going to downplay the rivalry, downplay the animosity, and and just try to play basketball. But you can't help yourself. At some point, there's going to be something that's going to happen, and that, that'll get it back to, to being a rivalry. The, the thing is, as a Carolina person, it's been interesting for whatever the last six months – Everybody says the same thing. You Duke people, you can never speak to me again. We beat Duke, we beat Duke at Cameron for Coach Krzyzewski's last game, and then the ultimate we won in the Final Four. So if we lose Saturday, we lose March 3rd or 4th, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We, we, we ended Coach K. I have a feeling that, will, that it sounds good in theory, but if we lose Saturday, you're a Carolina person, you're going to be salty about losing to Duke. I I uh I had the chance uh, at the radio station I work at. We we were we were at ACC Media Days and we got Coach Shire to come sit down at our table. And um, whenever he came to sit down, I shook his hand and uh, introduced myself. And I'm pretty sure he knew when he looked at me and I looked at him. I think he knew that I was a Carolina guy and that and that, and that I hurled some insults at him back when he was making big buckets. And so it was just a neat little moment. Um, but but on the surface, as, as you mentioned, he is a really nice guy. He is really competitive, and I've had to tell Duke people, uh, you know, that look, he's going to figure it out. And unfortunately, they're going to be okay. They're not going to go in the toilet like so many yeah, of us want to. Um, all right. So for a lot of people, Carolina's favorite win over Duke will probably be that Final Four game because it 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 did retire Coach K for good. Let's focus though for Carolina wins. In Cameron Indoor Stadium, it could be last year's or it could be the one in 2012 when they last played for the ACC regular season title. What is your favorite all-time Carolina win at Duke? Oh, it's it's 100% the last one. Uh, I just – I can't – because I was at the Duke Carolina at at Carolina earlier that year, Mm. and that game was over at the first TV timeout. We had no answers for their matchups. We weren't ready to play. They were up the entire game. So I was thinking when we go to Durham, we got no chance. And the funny thing is our – one of my old teammates, Joe Wolf, was in town. His brother Jeff, that played at Carolina, we were all we all got together and watched it at the Dead Mule, which is a, a bar on Franklin Street, it's kind of outdoor TV, and 
So we, I wasn't expecting anything out of it. And as the game went on, you're like, holy cow, holy cow. And then it gets to be like four minutes going, man, we're going to win this game. And so we win. And if you know anything about Franklin Street, so the dead mules a little bit down the hill. Well, both Wolfies, they've played their whole lives and then moved away after college, never been back. They've never seen a Franklin Street storming before. Oh, wow. So I was like, come on, guys, you got to go with me. We're going to walk up there. And there's 10, 15,000 people. And they were like, holy cow, I have never seen anything like that. So it was a, a special night when we won at Cameron. So hopefully we'll, we'll do it again and storm Franklin Street again and I'll have fun. All right, the last question I have for you, Michael, is uh, how does Carolina get the job done on Saturday? This game is really sneaky important now for Carolina's NCAA tournament hopes. So how do they get the job done on Saturday, and what would a win at Duke again mean for this team? So I think the simplest answer, if we just take care of business, the hardest thing about rivalry games is people try to do too much. They try to play harder, play faster, shoot more, whatever. The hardest thing in the biggest moments, and it can be basketball, NFL, Super Bowl, golf, whatever. The hardest thing is to be yourself and to stay within yourself. And if we just take care of our business, like go back to Coach Smith talking about, if we just worry about us, we should beat them on Saturday. If, if R.J. plays like R.J. and Caleb does what Caleb's supposed to do and Baycott is fed the ball more and we just do what – do your job, as the old Belichick saying, if we just do your job, we will be fine. All right. Well, let's hope that Carolina does the job and, you know, hopefully at about 8.30, 8.45 Saturday night, Franklin Street will be, uh, will be being stormed once again to celebrate a win – over the Duke Blue Devils. Michael, man, this is, I think, your third or, your third or fourth time coming on to talk with me. I anytime enjoy it. You want, anytime you want to talk. Yes, sir, man. I, I can't wait to do it again. Enjoy the game on Saturday and go Heels. All right, Josh. Thanks. There you go, guys. That is Michael Norwood, former Carolina basketball player, but lifelong Tar Heel, joining us to talk about some of his favorite Duke Carolina memories. Well, with that, guys, we're going to take a really quick break. I'm going to get you the latest offer I have from DraftKings. And when I come back, I'll shut down this edition of the Four Corners podcast. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I use DraftKings Sportsbook all through the college football season, through the NFL playoffs, and I'll be sure to use the same thing with these same-game parlay features all at DraftKings Sportsbook for the remainder of the NBA season. Download the DraftKings app now and sign up with the code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with that promo code TBPN. Minimum age and, and eligibility restrictions do apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. 
Really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Uh, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show, but we do encourage you guys to visit the website, heeltoughblog.com, where you can go back and, and get caught up on all the things that went wrong for Carolina in the in, in the loss on Wednesday to Pittsburgh. And then I'll be getting you ready for the greatest rivalry in sports with the game preview with the game at Duke. Of course, there'll be a recap posted night of as well. And of course, any football news that comes out of the Keenan Center, Anthony will have you covered on the football front. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. Where We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any game previews, any game, re- uh, any game recaps, or any great interviews like this one with Michael Norwood. Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Thanks again to Michael Norwood for joining me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than